Danville Auto Sales is located in Danville, Indiana and offers a selection of used vehicles. They're located at 1237 West Main Street in Danville and their phone number is 317-775-1977. More information can be found at their website, danville-autosales.com. This is Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger. Alan is a Hendricks County native that talks with your favorite entertainers. This is where Alan hangs out with music royalty. Sights and Sounds is sponsored by Danville Auto Sales. And now your host, Alan Kiger. This is Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger. And my guest today is Robbie Lochner of Jack Russell's Great White. How are you today, Robbie? I'm doing great. Um, Let's just start with uh, some, we'll go back to your, maybe the beginning of your, your childhood or when you started uh, listening to music. Who were your influences growing up? Um, boy, I listened to a lot of stuff, a lot of uh, Motown stuff, really. Um, Beatles. My big, one of my big ones was Deep Purple, though. Was, that was my first, like, band that I really, really liked a lot. But I mean, I was listening to singles from so many different bands from the 60s and 70s. Cause it was just, that's what I listened to on a, like a record player. So, it, and it wasn't really an influence in my playing so much, but it was just more in my psyche as far as what I like to listen to. And it might have been, there's just so many different things. It's hard, it's hard to say. It was more of the, you know, probably the top 40 of, of those of that time. Not necessarily of the time I was listening to it, but of the time those singles came out, they were probably all in the top 40. Cinnamon Girl and, you know, Get Back or whatever it might be. But I was listening to a fairly eclectic amount of music. Okay. Was there an aha moment when you said, hey, this is this is what I want to do. I want to follow in one of these guys' footsteps and play the guitar and sing and write. And... No, actually, there, there really wasn't. It was, it was more of, I have an older brother that started myself and a couple of my brothers, other brothers and some neighborhood kids all on the same day. He sat down and taught us all the same song. Uh, it was Honey Hush. And it's just on one string and playing it. And then I got up the next day and I just kept playing it, kept playing it. And everybody else kind of played some, but kind of fell off by the wayside. And I had played and it really, the aha moment didn't come for about two years after that. When all of a sudden I went, this is what I'm going to do. What, what was that aha moment? <laughs> you know, it's kind of a funny story because it was, I was, I went to a party and there was this kid there, and he was like a year younger than me, and he'd been playing for years, and I'd been playing like two years, and he'd already been playing like since he was like six or something, and he'd been playing seven years or whatever. And he was, I thought, oh, he's really good or whatever. And a friend of mine had his amp and guitar there, and he was jamming with this kid, and, and I came over there, and they're like, oh, yeah, why don't you play? I was like, okay, cool. So I was jamming, the, there's me, him, and his drummer, and then he broke the string in the middle of the song, and then he stopped and he waited and he sat there and he just looked at me until the song was over. Then he said his exact words to me were, since I'm so much better than you are, how about you sit down and watch me play while I jam? And I was just like, wow, I can't believe that. What a tool. 
song now. I, I, I handed him the guitar and I let him play. But I went home after that and that was it. I go, this, I was just dedicated. I didn't miss a day of playing guitar for years after that. I just started playing and practicing hard and I was just like, okay, this is it. I'm going to do it. And it was all because of that kid. <laughs> what, what age were you when this was happening? I was probably 13, 14, maybe 15, somewhere there, 14, probably. Okay. Uh, were you, other than the the neighbor that you said helped you were you just self-taught did you go to take lessons yeah it was well it was actually my brother okay so it was he's the one who was he had been playing six months he picked up six months before he showed me anything so really he was the first one who started teaching me how to play and i'm really self-taught though at one point i did go to take lessons uh but it was it was to read music. I started kind of picking up reading music. I could actually outplay the teacher. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, wow. He was all impressed with my playing. And I was like, really? I'm, you know, 14 years old. I'm not that good. But he was, you know, he was starting to teach me a little bit of reading. And I actually still have all, it was all this jazz stuff. I still have all the papers he gave me. He dated them all. Everything's kind of cool. But that was it. I did that for a little bit. But other than that, my playing really is, is all self-taught. It's just whatever my brother showed me to a point and then me just sitting down listening to records and you know playing them over and over and learning how to play stuff as close as I could and then from there just taking it and expanding it and making it into my own thing okay when did you get your first big break I mean who was the the place or the time or how did, how did you get your first break in music a national thing or as far as well yeah let's go to national thing okay so for a national break it would have been with Rob Halford okay how did that come about I actually had a, a guy I met he was from Tucson I'm, I'm from Tucson but I had moved to California in 1993 and uh, somebody had introduced me to a guy who was from Tucson as well but he had been living out in California and he was a DJ at a radio station called KNAC which was really popular at the time so he told me he didn't know who I was I, I didn't know who he was at the time I was just introduced to him but he remembered me because I played in a really popular band on the uh, the really the Arizona scene so he was like okay cool he friended me right away and then he told me hey send a tape into EMAS which is an entertainment management advisory service of Rob Halford send your package so I sent the package in there didn't hear anything and then for about I don't know a year and I had, I had just moved to California I think I sent it out before I moved I can't recall but about 10 months after living in California I got a call from Rob Halford that was based upon that package that went to his management service I had a, a thing that I had put together called Cannibal Bass and when his guitar player quit his band and they needed somebody in a hurry he remembered me and he told his his manager at the time the guy's name was John Baxter he told him to there's a guy I want to find we need to go through these boxes of tapes the story he told me was there was boxes and boxes of tapes and he knew exactly who he wanted and he was searching and searching and he goes he was about ready to give up he got to the bottom of the last box and there was my tape and he says he handed it to John and called him and that's how that came about he called me up left a message actually on my answering machine and I was like well 
GM Phoenix, and I was going, the entertainment management, oh, that's something to do with Halford. And when I talked to the guy, he wouldn't tell me what it's for. He just said, we need you to do a tour it's in five days. You need to learn all these songs, and you're going to be going on tour. you got to get a passport. You have a passport, which I did not. And it just happened like a whirlwind. I'm like, but I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, who's the band? What am I supposed to do? It's kind of thrashy. He's kind of explaining, but he wouldn't tell me who it was. I'm like, okay. So we had a conversation. We had another conversation. And then finally he called me back on the third one. He goes, okay, okay, let it out. He goes, uh, it's Rob Halford's band. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, definitely. Of course I'm going to do it. I thought if it was some no-name band and you're just sending me out for nothing, what's the point? Wow. That's so it happened fast. And literally, I had to learn all 20 songs in five days. And here I'm, the first thing I have to do is get a passport. And somehow they pushed it through. They got it through fast. And what so I, I was, you know, trying to cram on songs. And, I, you know, spent a day down trying to get my passport. And then really the first day, People were just calling me. Everybody started finding out about it. And I was getting phone calls right and left. And finally, I just had to shut the phone off and go, I got to study. That's too many songs. It's really short of time. I, gotta, I really got to learn this stuff. And it, it happened. It went off. There, you know, actually, there was a video that was out for a while. Somebody had put up the full show, the first show. And it was years ago. One of my students found it. And I was like, no way. And I went and watched it. And I just was like, wow, I couldn't believe it was just. You wouldn't have known that I just learned the songs because it actually sounded better than, you know, I thought. I was like, wow, that's, that was pretty good. And I'm kind of surprised. Not that I, you know, thought it sucked, but I know I was, you know, I was pretty, the stuff was so new. That's how, how well do you retain it? I mean, I just drilled and drilled and drilled it. But unfortunately, those videos, I linked them to my, was it MySpace page years ago? And then um, the videos got pulled down. I was like, oh, man. I should have copied them. I should have made copies of them. So I don't know if wow. they're still out there. Maybe somebody put them out again. I haven't really even gone looking. Well, maybe somebody will hear this and post them again for you. Well, you know, there was a guy I met at the Whiskey about two years ago. He was from Brazil because the show was that it was in Argentina. He's actually from Argentina. And he told me he filmed the show in Argentina. There's two of them back-to-back, um, sold-out shows back-to-back. And I don't know it was the first or the second night. And I was like, oh, dude, I want a copy of that. He said, yeah, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. He goes, I'll get it to you, I'll get it to you. He never did. <laughs> so. That's a bummer. Yeah. Well, let's go to my next question. Um, what is your go-to guitar? What is the brand that you like to play, or is there a brand that sponsors you? What's your favorite? Well, there is. I have a sponsorship with Galvin Guitars and um, Burrell, which are more unknown. But I mean, I really, there's no go-to guitar that I have. If I'm tracking in the studio, I have a bunch of guitars laying around, and I just start playing the different guitars, trying to find the one that fits the track right. I might find a combination that works really well on one thing and think I'm looking kind of for the same sound on the next track and end up not being able to use the same guitars. It just doesn't work the same. So it's it's all about just grabbing a guitar and playing the one until I find which one I'm thinking is working. Okay. Robbie, during the COVID uh, break, you and the rest of Jack Russell's band made a video called Fast Road. It, everyone was at home, and the video was, you know, like put together, like 
you're at your house and Jack's on the boat and everybody's at their own place. How did that come about and how did you guys get that all together? Well, you, you, a lot of people are doing those videos right now. They're, it's just the common thing to do. Now, the misconception with that that people don't realize is we're not playing live. We're all playing in our own locations, not with each other, just to ourselves. Right. So, yeah, so it was just something I told Jack. I go, we really should put something out. We need to get something out as a band. We agreed. And so I was like, let's do this. And I thought we should have probably had another couple other ones to follow it up, but we didn't. Uh, well, we got that one out. It was cool. People really liked it and wanted to try and keep us in people's eyes and ears, you know, just to remind them that we're still here. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great song. I mean, a really great song. And when you and Tony are doing the guitar thing back and forth, I know it's a it's a rock and roll band, but to me it kind of has a, a bluegrass feel. I don't know if anybody else got that, but I, it just sounded like bluegrass pickers. That's interesting. <laughs> I, didn't, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that one, but that's, yeah, I guess probably because it's acoustic. Yeah, it's just something something neat about it I, li I like. So let's go ahead and listen to Fast Road. That was Fast Road. You're listening to Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan, and if you're just tuning in, my guest today is Robbie Lochner. Robbie, we just listened to Fast Road off of Jack Russell's Great White Acoustic Bites. I noticed you produced the album, you mixed the album, and it was also recorded in your studio. Uh, can you tell the listeners you know, how that process came about? Well, initially, that particular record was going to be something that was supposed to be done really fast and it was just going to be myself and Jack. Like what we do live, we do these acoustic shows and it's just two of us. So I started putting some of the tracks down just like that. For example, Rock, I did it the way we do it live. And the other guys are like, hey, well, we want to get in on it. And it was like, well, sure, why not? I mean, that makes sense. Let's, let's do it with the full band instead. And so we started bringing the guys in and we tracked everything and it took longer than we had anticipated because we were touring a lot of the time and it was like trying to get in record in between if you're home from monday to thursday guys are going to want to come over on a tuesday and record something when they're just resting up for the next run so i have the studio built into i have a three-car garage in my house and i have it built into the garage and well what was a three-car garage so i'm here so i can work on it and, and i would you know i just needed the guys to play when they did and then once they had it it was a question of just mixing when i could so it just kind of fell together like that. The Rock Me was one that was really tricky for me because the guys came in and played to it, and they didn't play to it. They played to it the way they kind of know it, as opposed to the way Jack and I do it live. And I was like, well, that, well we already put down a template. You kind of need to play to what we had. So it made it pretty tough. I had to go back in and redo my guitars and because it, it just didn't fit. It just didn't sound right. It wasn't working for me. And people seem to like the version we did, though. For me, it was probably one of the weaker tracks on the record because that was probably, arguably, the biggest hit off the record. So it was the one with the most pressure to sound the best. And it was, for me, it, I felt like it should have been just better somehow, some way. We should have done more to it. 
which is what we do live with our acoustic version. Uh, it just has a certain feel, and that's what I was kind of striving for. But when the guys came in and started kind of playing in the bass and drums like they play it normally, I was like, well, it kind of took it back to what it was as opposed to what we're trying to do to it. Some of the tracks have that. They're, they're changed quite a bit, but they just sound, they, they really works well. I don't want to say it sounds better than the original because it's, you know, that is different. It's, but it, it, yeah, I've got the CD and, you know, and I've got the original music on a lot of this and it's different. I like it. Um, I like that acoustic sound. Uh, cool. Just stripped down version of, of music. So, okay, my next question. This is a, usually a hard one for musicians to answer. Uh, what are your hobbies outside of music? Hobbies outside of music. Hmm. <laughs> Hobbies are music. <laughs> you know, for the most part, I, I boy, I like uh, I like having a garden. I have a garden out back. I've got fruit trees, grapevines. I'll grow tomatoes and stuff like that. So I will do that. And I like um, working out, exercising, riding a bike, things like that. But mostly, like if I'm watching TV, I have my guitar. I'm playing guitar while I'm watching TV. I might be writing or just practicing on something or whatever. So most of the time I'm um, doing music. It's just something to do with music. Or uh, if I'm mixing, writing, recording, producing, whatever it may be, I might, you know, listen to, I like listening to things regarding that, like uh, top-end producers talk about producing or some of the best engineers in the world. They'll do these little seminars, they call them little, they're seminars, but, and I'll, I'll listen to them, anything to kind of advance what I'm doing. But that is music, so that doesn't really count. So, really, <laughs> not a lot. Yeah, it's the same answer. So, one of these days, I wanna, I'm going to get somebody, and they're just going to, you know, go off the wall on me on some kind of hobbies that they're doing. Yeah, there are guys who do have stuff that goes, you know, that they do a lot. But for me, it's just I'll do the gardening thing, and it's and working out, and maybe I like to go on walks, or I'm going to like to do different things. But, I mean, it's, uh, you know, no real big hobbies outside of music anymore. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite part of music? Writing, being in the studio, performing live? Which of those, if, if you could pick one, which one of those would you pick? a certain something that's I, I would probably say performing live though okay and performing live is, is a blast still to this point it's probably it's the most instant gratification so there is some in, in mixing a song that you've written or produced or whatever and listening back and going wow you're really liking it that's a great feeling too there's so but it's playing live would have to be it one area I'm not able to do right now. <laughs> well, you're in the same boat everybody else is. Yep. And all of us, we're sitting out here and we're we're waiting for that day. So, one of these days we'll be back to normal. One of these days. Yeah, I'm hoping April. That's right now our schedule picks up in April. So, if things go well, we can be right back at it. And it'll just be a year and a couple months off. Ouch. But not totally off because, you know, still working. I mean, I, I break my days up now between 
you know, I'll be producing something, writing something, mixing something, recording something, or just practicing. I try and break it into even increments where I'm trying to move and advance in every area, but not burn myself out. Because there's times I would do that. I would sit there and mix for just, you know, 12 hours, and you start burning out or record for 12 hours. And I'm like, oh, I don't even want to go in and record the next day because I just too many hours, 12, 15 hours. When we did the Esau Coming record, I did 15 hours on vocals for that acapella song, 15 hours straight. But it, yeah, it was to get it right. I was composing it as I was putting it together. I had a vision, but I just, it was getting it to sing right, and it was just so much work. And then by the time I was done tracking, I was burnt out. I didn't want to come in the studio for a long time, and I just don't want to feel that way. And now it's all trying to get that balance between all of them so I'll do it one thing then I go and do the other and then I want to go back and do the other and then I'm moving around and it seems to be working well so far okay you mentioned uh, maybe coming out and, and touring in April have you already got dates set up or are you just yeah. kind of thinking that okay um, how big of a tour schedule do you have and are you are you heading east I think it, or you, if, if everything goes well it's going to be really busy because Right now we start in April, but we most of the dates that we have are reschedules from the year from 2020. Okay. So with um, there was some cancellations, but a lot of reschedules, and of course everything started early in the year. And typically the way our year goes is we only have you know maybe 30, 20, 30 dates on the books at the beginning of the year, and that's pretty good. But by the end of the year, we'll have like seventy shows doing the weekend thing. It's, it's pretty busy. Uh, but this year, or this coming year, we'll have a lot more already because they're reschedules. So what'll happen is a lot more date coming, and it should end up being a really busy year. Okay. Well, I look forward to that. Robbie, are there any charities that are close to your heart that you'd like to donate your time to? That I do, or yeah, something that you know, the charity that that you like that that you like to donate your time to. Or, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's ones that the that uh, maybe Jack has for the band, but is there any that you say, hey, this is really special to me, I want to I wanna go donate, you know, play my time here? Well, I do do stuff for the MS, MS uh, benefits. In fact, I have a, a thing I've been doing with uh, Jack FM personality, Matt Drake, we call it The Hangout, we've been doing it on Facebook, but we're going to be moving over to Twitch, apparently, it looks like, and it's going to be on the, the Rams channel, which is the Rock Against MS channel on Twitch TV. It's supposed to happen soon, but I've been hearing that for a while, but we have had contracts, and they're like, okay, we're going to rewrite them again. We're waiting for them, so as soon as that comes through, then we'll be doing that, and it'll be we'll be doing that for them, you know, weekly. Well, that'll be great. Yeah. Uh, I guess just post on Facebook when you're going to be doing that. Yeah, as soon as it happens, we'll definitely be putting that up. But meanwhile, we're just we're still doing it on Facebook, just the weekly weekly interview. Well, we're coming to the end of the interview here. I want to ask you, is there any question that I that I missed that I didn't ask you or something you want to tell the fans that I've not asked you? Oh, I can't think of anything. I would just say everybody stay safe and, and come out and enjoy live music when it's back. When it's back, go support music. Let's get this rolling. Okay. Is there... Um, 
any other places, people that are listening, because I've got people that listen outside of this area. It goes on my podcast. You know, where can people find you, you know, besides Facebook? Besides Facebook, probably just Facebook really is the place. I've got an artist channel or artist page is the best place. My friend's page has pretty much been maxed out for a long time. They'll drop off every once in a while. Somebody will drop off and then they just kind of find whoever they put them in. <laughs> the artist page can go to unlimited. For some reason, it's harder. The algorithms aren't nearly as good on those. It doesn't more, more, um, less people see it and stuff, but that's always the, probably the best place. Maybe LinkedIn. I don't even have a web page anymore. I did for years, and then I just kind of let it go because it seems like I was just never going to with on Facebook. But I'm starting to think now that I should probably get it back going again because who knows if Facebook will be around. I mean, there's so much controversy around them. I think people are really getting tired of Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I see people going to other other branches, and then you've got Instagram, and I um, some people are on Twitter, and some people are on Instagram, some people are on all of them. I can't even think I'm of on, parlors. I'm, new on one like that. I'm on Instagram, too. I forgot about that. I just don't really go on there much. I try, you know, I just, it, to me, I get on Instagram, and I, I'm like, okay, what am I doing? <laughs> um, to how Facebook works, so I'm like, okay, this isn't like Facebook. I'm not really getting it. <laughs> so. Yeah, they're just, just a different medium for different people. Yeah. Bobby, I'd really like to thank you for being my guest today on Sights and Sounds. And listeners, if you want to listen to this later, you can catch this or any of my other interviews at www.sites. That's in with the letter N, soundspromotions.com for all my past interviews. Robbie, thanks so much for taking your time and uh, just letting us interview you and ask you some oddball questions. And we all look forward to when we're able to go out and go see live music again. Excellent. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger. Join us the first and third Sunday of every month at 11 a.m. on WYRZ. And don't forget, if you miss a broadcast, you can hear the podcast at sightsandsoundspromotions.com, where Alan hangs out with music royalty. Anvil Auto Sales is located in Danville, Indiana, and offers a selection of used vehicles. They're located at 1237 West Main Street in Danville, and their phone number is 317-775-1977. More information can be found at their website, danville-autosales.com.